Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. to the Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today is former candidate for Congress, Doyle Canning. Doyle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So this is the third time that you've been on, and I appreciate you doing this. We actually planned this episode about 12 hours ago, so this is really short notice. And I really am excited to have you on because if anybody has been listening to this podcast since the beginning, they'll know that my my political views kind of tend to fall into the progressive area and i've had a lot of progressive minds on the show james barber has been somebody that is he's not only my title sponsor with oregon cashflow pro he's taught me a lot about progressive politics and the frustration that in lie there then lies with it so i wanted to have you on as somebody that i admire as a uh progressive voice for the progressive movement in oregon i had endorsed your campaign during the primary which you were defeated by peter defazio Today, we're going to talk about your endorsements a little bit, and we're going to get to your race, the Congress, in a little bit. And so definitely, if you're listening and watching this, you're going to want to hear what she has to say about that. So Doyle, thank you for doing this. Yeah, it's great to be here. We have a lot to go over. We're going to talk about a couple ballot measures uh, that I wanted to touch on. And also, next week, I'm going to be sitting down with the chair of the Democratic Party of Lane County, Chris Wig, and we're going to talk more in depth about what's on your ballot and ballot measures. Today, we're going to go over candidates. I know that by the time I do next week's episode, I will hope that most people have already voted, but still, we're going to keep the, the coverage coming. So yeah, ballots are already in the hands of voters in Corvallis and in Coos Bay and in Portland. We got um, here in Eugene Springfield, like they should be coming today or Monday. Um, it's happening. It's here. And it's really important to vote early and to use the ballot drop box. Right. You know, we have vote by mail in Oregon, which is fantastic. Um, but the message I'm getting from people who are, you know, wanting to make sure that we just put this away, we want those those ballots in boxes because right. um, they get counted faster. I wrote down and I'll go over that now. And then I'm going to go over it again at the end of the episode for some of the locations. So you Great. can Google it. Google. It's super easy. All I did was Google uh, Lane County Dropbox locations. But just to give some key ones so that if it kind of covers quite a bit of, of the area of Lane County. Now, there's one at the Lane County Elections Office, which is on you know 10th and Lincoln. There's one on West 11th Walmart in the parking lot. Uh, if you live in Thurston, there's at Splash at the Lively Swim Center. There's one in the parking lot. That's the one that I'll be using. 
If you're a student or you live near the campus, there's one at the University of Oregon Herb Memorial Hall. There's one at Amazon Pool, mm-hmm. River River That's Road Recreation. Yeah, right. River Road Recreational Center. So it's super easy to find one in your location where you don't have to go very far. Mm-hmm. You know, don't give your ballot to one person. You need to deliver it yourself. There's laws against that. I don't think people realize, but we, we could be here for days on that. So Google it if you have any question. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to where you can Google it by your specific address. And it's the Secretary of State's uh, website. So that link will be Excellent. in the show notes. Yeah. So that'll be good. And we'll talk about this again. If you do mail it, it needs to be in the mail by the 27th. That's too late. I mean, even though that's the deadline, that's too late. You need to be doing it sooner than that. But if you do mail it, because maybe you live more rural, there is no postage required. Mm-hmm. So you can just drop it in that once you totally fill it out, free, um, totally free because we have great yeah. voters and great secretary of states. So, so, so anyway, so we're going to get to it. We have so much to cover and we're going to cover that again at the end of this. Cause I want to make sure that we drill it home. So one of the things that we are going to do today is you're going to talk about your endorsements, which I'm honored to have you on my show doing this for the first time. Cause I know that this hasn't even been released to the public. So hot off the press. So we're going to go quick with a lot of these and we're going to start from the top of the ticket. So we're going to start with president. So I am still an undecided voter. No, I'm just kidding. That's impossible. <laughs> That's impossible. That's like absolutely impossible. Anyway. So yeah. for president, we'll start with that. Yeah. Now look, you know, I know that a lot of my supporters supported other candidates in the democratic primary for president I myself endorsed Senator Sanders. A lot of my supporters were behind Elizabeth Warren, um, Marianne Williamson, um, you know, Andrew Yang. <laughs> like there were a lot of candidates. And Joe Biden probably wasn't like, you know, your favorite if you're a fan of this podcast and you, you know, you kind of identify on the more progressive end of the party. And so I'm here to say vote Joe. <laughs> it's really important. And you may think, oh, you know, we're in Oregon. It's a blue state. I can vote for Bernie writing in. I can vote for the Green Party candidate, the Progressive Party candidate, because they're more in line with my values. And, you know, I hear that. But like Joe likes to say, here's the deal. Okay. (laughs) When I was running for Congress and I was challenging Uh, the incumbent Democrat. I had a lot of conversations with progressive political operatives who, you know, aren't from Oregon. They're based in the Beltway. They're based in New York City. And they would pull up statistics about the district when they were vetting my campaign. And at the end of the day, they would say, you're a great candidate. Like, we want to support you. But we're nervous about the number of uh, between Clinton and Trump in the 2016 general election. It was way too close. And that makes us think that this isn't a deep blue district. And so we can't support a challenger. And I would say, well, look, there were, um, you know, thousands of people who wrote in Bernie. (laughs) And that's why that number was too close or didn't vote because they were just really turned off by Clinton. There's a deep anti-establishment sentiment here in Southwest Oregon. And that's why you see that result. And they were just like, 
sorry. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, it's scary for us. And so, you know, here's the deal. We in this congressional district need to put Trump in the trash, like all the way, double digits. We need right. to crush this by a landslide. And it's about Trump, clearly, <laughs> and, you know, how making a statement about how we feel about him. But it's also about putting to rest this notion that this is a, some kind of flippable district. And we're going to get into that in the congressional race as well. But, you know, we need to show that this is Democratic territory. Right. The one thing about Joe Biden is that his campaign's not about him. And I'll give him credit on that, that the only reason he's in this position is because there was everyone came together, you know, so they picked somebody that they were going to rally behind, obviously to squash Bernie, we, whatever, you know, it is what it is. But the, the campaign is about unity. It's about bringing the country together. Mm -hmm. And he's not talking about when people talk about reaching across the aisle, talking about, you know, Mitch McConnell's and stuff. And yeah, there'll be some of that for him. That's his job. But what he's trying to do is unify the citizens, you know, so we're going to have to do that. We're going to have to just get on board with that because, you know, we had talked off air for me personally, it's frustrating because I have a lot of people that try to make this duality between the left and the right, where they say that the left, it's like, nobody's willing to make compromises. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I've literally compromised every issue that I care about to support this guy. And I'm going to do it full force. I'm going to mm -hmm. you know, support him as well. Now, <clears throat> personally, I'm a big fan of Kamala Harris. I mean, she wasn't, again, neither of them were the top four for me for candidates in the primary. But that being said, I've learned my lesson with 2016. I feel personally responsible for throwing my vote away for what's happening with the Supreme Court, you know, for women, for women's right to choose being such, you know, so jeopardized now. That's because of people like that's partially it's everything. You know, people can blame everyone. I mean, I still think that Hillary takes the most of the blame because her campaign was literally called I'm with her like it's about her. So I, I, that's a big problem I have with candidates when they make it about them. Now, obviously, Donald Trump, he's the only person in the world that matters to him. So including his wife and kids. So anyway, I think everybody knows what to do this time and, and do, do what you want. Obviously, I'm not going to force you to do something you don't. You know, if you're if you're just not willing to budge on this, then do whatever you want. But the reality is, is if you actually want to make a difference and you want things that are closer to your policies, yeah, you're going to have to you're going to have to vote Joe Biden. The next one is Senate. Yeah, I mean, one more thing on Biden. You know, I think he has been uh, very effective, like you said, in building party unity. He had all of his rivals come to the table, bring their ideas and commit their full support behind him. And, um, you know, that's what we need to do to to defeat Donald Trump. Um, I'm not worried about us defeating Donald Trump in Oregon. I do want us to do it by double digits. I do want us to send a message <laughs> for sure. Um, but, you know, Joe Biden has effectively convened these task forces with the Sanders campaign. So, you know, he put together a climate uh, task force that, that was chaired by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and John Podesta. You know, this is kind of unprecedented level of dialogue between, you know, different factions of the Democratic Party to hammer out the toughest battles that we're facing, saving our, our climate, um, health care and immigration and policing. You know, these are the hot issues that 
Biden was able to bring Bernie people into a conversation. Um, that builds goodwill. You know, did we get everything we wanted? Um, no. Do we need to keep pushing? Absolutely. And I will be right there doing it on day one of the new administration. But, you know, he's an effective politician and coalition builder. And that's what the party needs in this moment. Right. And, you know, I, I feel like it's easier to, to pull someone left from the left. <laughs> like you're not going to pull somebody to the left from the right. It's just not going to happen. Like as far as policy, we can worry about getting what we want once he gets in office, you know, until that point it's off the table, you know, you know, so we got to move on. Cause we got so much, this one's more of a no brainer. Uh, that's literally what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> no, no Jeff Merkley for, for Senate, Senate. For 100%. Yes, is, he's a goofball, <laughs> but he's our goofball, but he is super awesome. What he's done at the border, you know, the work he's done with immigrant for immigration, exposing stuff at the border has been phenomenal. Absolutely. We actually, you know, I'm a he big, he has fan. been leading uh, the charge in fighting the Trump administration's white supremacist immigration agenda. He has been leading the charge um, on climate, you know, he introduced the first bill that keep it in the ground act in, I think it was 2016 or 17, um, you know, that really got the ball rolling on like the solutions that we need, need to address fossil fuel at the source. Um, and he's really, like you said, I wouldn't call him a goofball, well, I mean it in a good but way. a very friendly, approachable, sure. And effective. Yeah. I think that when people hear me say dork or goofball, they think it's <laughs> offensive, but no, no, no. Like that's a compliment because what it means is that they're them, they're their true self, you know? And it's yeah. like, they're not trying to be something they're not. They're just, I just remember his campaign ad campaigns from the beginning. He's like, I just built a new deck. And he was so proud of it. <laughs> well, you know, I met Senator Merkley at Netroots Nation last year before I had launched my campaign and I was wearing my Oregon cap and we were in Philadelphia at this big, um, convention center, you know, thousands of people. And he saw my cap across the room and he waved at me. And, uh, you know, we had that connection. So, yeah, I, I got a lot of love for Senator Merkley. He's super rad. He's he's probably one of my favorite politicians, period. My favorite in the world is Ro Khanna. Honestly, Ro Khanna is incredible in California. But anyway, so Jeff Merkley is pretty much a no-brainer. Could be the next senator from the state of California. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I hope so, yeah. So, And California is a nightmare, so we don't need to talk about that. But but anyway, anyway, so uh, Secretary of State, this one's big. You know, I didn't even really know in the primary a lot about this. And then it kind of, Shamia Fagan is is the one getting, you know, she's probably, I would say is the front runner. Uh, and so that's, go ahead and speak on that with, with the, the secretary. Well, so secretary of state is the only statewide office currently held by a Republican in the state of Oregon. And that's about to change, which I'm really looking forward to because Shamia is going to just knock it out of the park. I supported Jamie McLeod Skinner in the primary. Um, you know, she had a really strong environmental platform. She's an environmental lawyer. She studied with the same professors I did at, at the U of O. And so we have that in common, um, and she had a really strong stance on Jordan Cove. Um, so, you know, I supported Jamie, but I'm really excited to support Shamia in the general. She's a great candidate. She's a strong leader. Um, she's definitely going places. This is a stepping stone for her, absolutely, for sure. For a lot of people, you know, Secretary of State 
a lot of people that watch my show or listen to my show don't necessarily know a ton about politics that myself included, (laughs) you know, so Secretary of State is huge when it comes to voting rights. And so, yes, (laughs) Secretary of State is like in charge of the election. Yeah. And (laughs) so, you know, everything that happens with campaign finance, with ballot access, um, vote by mail, like the voters pamphlet, all this stuff, it goes through the Secretary of State's office. And so, you know, we need someone there who is, um, you know, an ally and also a really effective uh, administrator. So one of the things I didn't mention at the beginning of this when it comes to our ballots uh, is I've signed up for informed delivery through the U.S. Postal Service. It's it's amazing. So if you're listening to this, Google informed delivery USPS. And every morning you can get an email telling you what mail is coming. And I had posted something about it because I think it's great. You know, and I knew my ballots were coming and they came. It was a little bit later in the day than normal, but people are losing their minds about the mail. And that's because <laughs> the, the Republican Party across the country is sabotaging it. Like it's factual. It's not mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. a myth. And so, you know, it's funny how people they're questioning the mail which is just insanity to me. Like, I'm, I mean, how we do away with the mail. How am I supposed to send letters to Santa Claus? Like, I don't <laughs> understand. So no, but Shamia Fagan will definitely protect voters rights. That's something that she's talked about a lot. I think it's great that you, this is another example of someone that wasn't your first choice, but like you had said, it's not like she's bad. It's because you had personal connections with the other candidate, but yeah, Shamia Fagan for secretary of state. That's an important one. Uh, Attorney General, I don't know anything about this, so you're going to have to school me on this one. Tell me a little bit about the the Attorney General campaign. Um, Well, Oregon's Attorney General, her name is Ellen Rosenblum. She is a law duck like me. She spoke at my graduation, and I've spoken with her personally a few times. Um, She is the incumbent. She's already in office. She's facing a challenge from Republicans. It ain't happening. You know, Ellen... (laughs) Ellen's going to put that away for sure. Um, But, you know, she has a background in environmental law. I really want to see her use that to fight Jordan Cove. The battle on this pipeline is not over. It's going to play out in the courts. um, And, you know, we need a fighter. And she's that person. And we're going to have to push her to be really bold on this. You had said that in in what you had sent me that you're going to be emailing to your supporters uh, today, I think. Is that right? Mm -hmm. So you had said that she spoke at your graduation, but she spoke on how to use law to defend the rights of marginalized people. And that's enough for me. I mean, that's the, that's the thing is we need more of that, you know? Absolutely. Especially with this administration, um, just shredding some of the most um, kind of bedrock constitutional rights that, that, that we hold in this country. Um, We need the attorney generals in the States to be fighting back hard. Right. And then, I mean, it's just emboldening, you know, the, the white supremacy and a lot of the stuff that we thought we had kind of put in the rearview mirror. And so apparently not. So now the next one is big. This is your race, uh, Oregon's fourth district for Congress. I had endorsed you in the primary. You've been on the show twice. I, I was giddy the first time because having to be honest to having, I mean, it was a big deal for me for the show, not only to get to know you personally and th- 
And as I've grown with this podcast, I realized that this is just human beings. This is the beauty of doing this. I'm, I've always kind of separated, like there's like us and then there's the politicians. People like you are just like anybody. You're just like us, you know? And I know that this isn't the end of the run for you as far as elected office. It, the future is really bright. Uh, but we have a job to do right now. And that's, we have to endorse the current incumbent, Peter DeFazio, who, you know, has been in office since 1914. <laughs> no, but you can 86. tell. Little, yeah. No, but Peter DeFazio, you're, I want to hear what you have to say about it. And I know this is tough, you know, because uh, elections are hard and you put a lot of passion into your run against an opponent. And so it gets, it gets hard. So, so you're here to endorse him. So I want to hear what you have to say about it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I'm touched by, um, <laughs> by what you said and by your support in the primary, you know, I, I'm a Democrat and obviously I'm going to support Democrats up and down the ticket. And that includes Peter DeFazio. You know, he's my congressman and has been for five years and we got to put this away. You know, the fact that Alex Garlados is coming into the paint here is a problem. <laughs> and we as progressives need to rally behind the incumbent. Now I have seen my supporters on social media saying you know, I'm going to vote green or I'm going to write in Doyle. I am here on this podcast to tell you not to do that. I want a big, fat margin for Peter DeFazio on November 3rd. And I want my supporters, almost 18,000 of you, to make that happen. And that is because we need to not only put this election away now and stop this uh, Republican challenge, uh, in its tracks, we need to scare them away from ever trying this again. And we need to send a message that the future of this district is deep blue. So that's, you know, kind of what I'm here to say. Uh, you know, the DeFazio campaign has not asked me to do this. They have never contacted me. Um, I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do. And because, you know, <laughs> I support Democrats. And I'm a team player, you know, much like Bernie is out there for Biden, you know, rallying his millions of supporters to get behind Joe Biden for president. I am rallying my thousands of supporters to get behind Peter DeFazio for Congress. I, you know, think that in the next uh, administration, you know, if we play our cards right, which, you know, Things are looking good on the national map. You know, Democrats are <clears throat> moving into Texas, Alaska. I just read this morning, uh, the Senate majority PAC is pulling money out of Colorado because they think they've got it in the bag and they're going to put it into Georgia and wow. South Carolina, right? So the map for Democrats this cycle is good. Why? Yeah. Because Trump has completely collapsed. He is an utter and absolute failure in every possible way. And so we have an opportunity here to not only keep the House, take the White House, and flip the Senate, we could actually get some things done. Right. And I'm going to be first in line making sure that Peter DeFazio is on board for the progressive priorities that the Sanders AOC wing of the party is putting forward. Right. And um, we can't do that without Peter in, in the, in the Congress. Um, so, you know, I'm excited about what could be possible 
in 2021. And um, let's get some stuff done. You know, we have some immediate priorities uh, around protecting people from the coronavirus and giving the American people much needed urgent financial relief. Um, That's got to happen like on day one. We have some urgent priorities around climate change that have to happen on day one. Um, We have urgent priorities around the atrocities that are going on against uh, immigrants in this country. We can end that on day one with Joe Biden as president, a Democratic Congress, and a a Democratic Senate. And we're on our way to do that. Um, So let's make it happen. Yeah, early voting has been just crazy, some of the numbers. I've talked to more young people, and I know that they say they're going to do it, and then they don't. But I work in a a barbershop on campus, and all of the people are, like, telling me their voting plan. You know, I think we're going to – (laughs) Great. That's awesome. It's incredible. Love to see it. Yeah, because it's difficult this year. I mean, it's so easy for us, you know, with the ballot drop box – locations which i mentioned before and then you can mail it you know i mean you just have to give it more time you just have to know that seven days before the election is too late so you have to be before that you know so just put it in your head like 10 days early but you know the drop boxes are the way to go and do that early you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) but peter defazio i have he's been in office for a long time so he's made a lot of personal connections with people in our community I know he he promotes himself as independent, as independent as Oregon or whatever his tagline is. And people kind of roll their eyes sometimes when they hear that. But at the same time, I actually think there's some truth to it. I think that he tries really hard to represent a broad swath of Oregonians. I think that when the Holiday Farms fire happened, the tragedy hit. He wasn't up. He was immediately there and he wasn't there trying to figure out oh, what have you guys done for me? So how can this make me look good? He was there to help Oregon, Oregonians. And he's, I've talked to a lot of people across political you know, sides or whatnot in that, because I have a deep connection to the McKenzie River community. And they were talking about, wow, DeFazio really stepped up. You know? Yeah, and, he showed up in a crisis in a way that a leader should. Right. Um, in a way that, the Republican challenger never would. I mean, we just saw yesterday Trump tell California, like, you're not getting any relief money for your fires because you're Democrats. Sure, right. I mean, like, <laughs> what? I don't know this for sure, but I haven't seen anything with Alex Carlados going to the fires. I haven't seen, I'm not going to say he didn't because I haven't, I just haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, you know, it's like you remember with the crisis with Obama under Bush, when Bush was still president and the election was going on, the minute that, in my opinion, that Obama won the election against McCain was when he was sitting at a table with McCain, Bush and Obama talking about what what to do with the economy. And Obama was like, all right, let me roll up my sleeves and get some stuff done here. And McCain was like, I don't know numbers. Like, you know, like, I don't know. As I recall, he suspended his campaign. I mean, um, cause yeah. he just didn't even know what to do. But, um, <laughs> it was a tragedy. And so there's these things that happened in times when you see people that are leaders, like you had just said, mm-hmm. and Obama was just incredible at that. But, and DeFazio is a much different animal because he is somebody that's been in office for a long time. And when you, when your campaign was going and I told people, uh, you know, off air, just in my personal life that I was supporting your campaign, the gripe, the complaint was they're like, no, no, no. Peter DeFazio is just now getting into a position in the Congress where he actually has a lot of clout. 
So that was the knock. It wasn't personal towards you, but of course I always wonder, it's like, what's their, people are looking for that one thing that they can be like, Oh, don't support this newcomer. But regardless, there is some truth to that. You know, that, that he does have a lot of power in Congress that's taken a long time so that, well, you know, I would say his strength is, um, knowing the, uh, the kind of mechanics of um, the federal government, right? Sure. And so in a crisis like the Holiday Farm fire, the Archie Creek fire, the fires that we just had in our district, um, he was able to put together uh, a collaboration between uh, the United Way, the U of O, um, FEMA, I believe, you know, the Forest Service, the state of Oregon, you know, he was able to bring that together. Um, in a way that, you know, is because he's been doing this a long time and um, he has that kind of uh, a handle on, on governance in a crisis. Right. And that is, you know, that is needed <laughs> at this moment yeah. when the country really is in deep crisis. Um, and so, you know, this is clearly, obviously uh, an easy choice and, um, you know, it's not the time to do a protest vote. You know, I feel really strongly about this. I want to be really clear with my supporters that if you want to see me or another challenger run again in the next decade, we got to put this away. We need to crush the Republicans. And that means we need to unite uh, behind our democratic candidates. Right. And that's because, you know, the progressive, if progressives want to be taken serious, they have to, I hate it because it few it stings because we make progress progress slowly a lot of times. And so, you know, a lot of times we put so much emotion into it because we're like, Oh my gosh, these things that people are talking about changing are things that I've wanted so much as a voter, we feel like this. And then when it doesn't happen, it's such a letdown that you're like, I can't support the person that's not doing this, but mm -hmm. we're mm -hmm. chipping away at it slowly. We're getting more and more voices in there and there is a movement happening. It's just, it doesn't happen overnight. So yeah. You know, one of my friends and idols, Rebecca Solnit, who's a writer from San Francisco, you know, she said, my vote is not a Valentine. It's a chess move. Right. And I need people to play that chess game with me. Like we can do this. Um, we're not doing it in 2020. We wanted to, but we didn't, we didn't have, uh, the right conditions, um, right. in the future, we need to build towards those right conditions in the future. And, um, you know, I'm supporting Joe Biden wholehearted, 100% behind Joe and behind Peter DeFazio. Right. And, you know, so that's where we're at. That's pretty, I know it takes, it's a big thing. It's a big thing. And I'm glad you're doing it on my show. Cause I know you're going to share this and a lot of people will see it and I appreciate it. <laughs> you know? So now the next race, we got a lot to cover. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't really cover a lot of South Eugene politics anymore. I live in Springfield and because my show is geared at doing stories of the underrepresented, you don't get more underrepresented than Springfield politics. So I've been doing a lot of focus on that. So I need you to kind of tell me what's going on with the county commissioner race. Uh, mm -hmm. There's two candidates and they're both pretty quality uh, candidates from what I've For sure. understood. And we're going to get to Springfield city council. And that's one of the toughest decisions I have to make, but let's talk first about county commissioner. Uh, well, Iboa. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. 
I'm so bad with names. Huel Iboa uh, is one of the candidates, and this is Lane County Commissioner Position 3, uh, and his big thing is, is he's fighting for um, immigration rights and immigration protections. Tell me a little bit about him and why and now he's received your endorsement. Is that correct? Yeah, you know, this is a tough call. I know a lot of my supporters are split on this question. They were in the primary. Um, a lot of people asked me about it and I didn't make an endorsement in the primary. Um, you know, my household did one vote for each candidate because it was kind of a toss up for us. Um, this time we're going with Hoel, um, 100%. You know, he made it through the primary, um, which frankly the Democratic establishment didn't think he would. Um, the, the, the deck was kind of stacked for Lori Trigger in this case in terms of endorsements and party support. Um, Hoel ha definitely has that too, um, but not to the same degree. And, you know, I think Hoel is really talented um, and he has a great future in politics. Why wait? <laughs> Let's do it today. Yeah. Um, we need leadership in Lane County uh, that is uh, committed and has a track, a track record around racial justice. We have had protests for over a hundred nights for right. Black Lives Matter and calling for systemic change, not cosmetic change, not rhetorical change, not like easy change, but the hard change of dismantling systemic racism in law enforcement and in our society at large. And when I look at the two candidates, um, you know, voters pamphlet statements, Howell's just much more clear that that's a priority for him. Um, he doesn't come out and say defund the police, but uh, he comes pretty close. You know, he says allocate police resourcing towards, you know, different kinds of interventions. And here in Lane County, we, we have one of the country's preeminent models of demilitarized policing uh, with cahoots. And we have an opportunity to showcase that to the world and resource that at the level that our, that our community um, requires. You know, Huel and I also share a connection through the Civil Liberties Defense Center. He's a member of the board. I'm a longtime volunteer and friend of the organization. I clerked there in law school you know, and worked, frankly, on a lawsuit against the Lane County Jail. So, you know, the oversight of the Lane County Sheriff's Department and the jail is a key part of this job. And I want Howell um, to be the one. Lane County Commission, County Commissioner is a big position. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, again, James Barber, when he came on, he had just came off of his run for County Commissioner, different, different position, you know, different area of, of Lane County, but still, it's a big duty. It's a big job, you know, and in some ways they have more pull or, you know, they had, they do more than a mayor, you know, you know, and so mm -hmm. uh, it's a big job, you know, and now L Lori Trigger, uh, she has a solid resume of advocacy work for the houseless community. She's a communications and development specialist that sponsors, which uh, sponsors is an organization that when someone gets out of jail, that they try to get back on their feet, that they can live there for a little bit on Highway 99. And I, you know, I know people that have gone through sponsors and it's a great organization, you know, because the people that it, you're treated humanely and we're going to talk a little bit about ballot measure 110 
mm-hmm. which uh, I think this is actually a good time. I know that we're bouncing around by doing this, but I, if we're going to mention sponsors and, you know, criminal uh, drug related stuff, I think it's a good time to segue into ballot measure 110. 110 is confusing to me. I'm not sure exactly sure. There's people on the left are torn on this issue. So 110, it, it's it's written in the ballot. I, I would quibble with that. Well, what I mean, <laughs> I think there's a consensus. Yes, on all okay. the ballot measures. Okay. Um, and on 110 especially, you know, the yes on 110 campaign reached out to me over the summer. Let me read um, what it says and then you can tell me. Yeah. Let me read how sure. it's written. Okay. So 110 provides statewide addiction recovery services. Marijuana taxes partially refinance it and it reclassifies possession charges. Mm-hmm. So explain to us, first of all, before you talk about your personal experience, if you could. Sure. What that really means in, in Patrick terms and layman's terms. <laughs> Well, my understanding, you know, the war on drugs is a war on poverty and a war on people of color. Okay. (laughs) And anything that we can do um, to undo the damage of uh, prohibition of cannabis, especially in a state that has a booming cannabis industry is like essential and urgent, and we need to make it happen now. And um, so that's the bottom line. I think, you know, I come from a family with a history of addiction. A lot of us do. Um, And we have completely failed as a society in understanding the the root causes of addiction as a disease and and treating it effectively. And instead have chosen to um, police, incarcerate, fine, and punish uh, people who actually need help. And so you know, that's kind of the bottom line of what, what this is about. Um, this ballot measure, you know, I wish it went further. Of course, you know, I would like to see uh, a total expungement of the records of people who uh, have been convicted or incarcerated on possession charges um, uh, of cannabis, especially. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, there's a big racial justice critique there where you have the cannabis industry exploding and opening these dispensaries that look like, you know, an Apple store um, and are making lots of money for white people um, when black people largely are have been, you know, incarcerated at higher rates for drug charges. And, you know, there's a reparations piece of this that I wish was there. Right. It's not, I talked to the campaign about it um, and they were like, look, we just don't feel like we can, we can have a law that reaches back in time. That's something the legislature would have to do. Um, so it is what it is. And I think it's good. And I really want people to, to support it wholeheartedly. So next week I'm going to have Chris Wig on the chair of the democratic party. And he's going to talk a little bit more about this ballot measure from a different perspective. So, I mean, well, him and I will, will, debate that one as well. Cause I personally think like you had said that this is a step in the right direction, you know, and my thing when it comes to possession charges. Okay. Cause, cause I'm very open about my battles with addiction, mostly alcohol. But when you drink as much as I did, you find yourself at two in the morning making bad choices and, and up in the ante a little bit. So I have a history of drug use and I'm open about this, you know, but 
when when you see someone like me now i didn't get super deep in narcotics but i still did do them so when you see these these complaints that people are like george floyd for example they're like well he was a crackhead and i'm like that doesn't mean that you get to kill him you know what i'm saying even if that's true first of all because i've been there so was my life not valuable enough and then if your your answer is well no not you then you're racist then that's why then you don't see that person as equal right and so my view on possession charges, even when I was deep in my addiction, was that arrest someone for stealing your lawnmower. You know what I mean? The possession charge, if they're doing drugs in their own time, that's their damn business. That's freedom. I'm sorry. You know, you know that's always been my take on it, is that when somebody does something criminal to, to get the drugs or to get the money to get the drugs, that's a crime. And why don't we enforce those crimes? But if we are only enforcing, you touched on it perfectly, we're only enforcing these possession charges on people. And the reason that we need to go retroactively is because the people of color that have been targeted aren't released. Like I've had situations personally where I was stopped with, you know, with pot and the cops made me grind it up in the ground, you know, and then people and sent you on your way and sent me on my way, which I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to, I'm not personally going to complain about from my personal experience, yeah. but I will complain from the hilltops that if I was a person of color, that I wouldn't have had that luxury. And that's absolutely so. And I've seen it firsthand. I shared a personal story on Facebook about a situation where we got pulled over and I was with my friend who was black. And then a driver that was a friend of his, who was a a white guy, but looked just seedy. And I'm going to try to make this quick. But when the cops showed up, they were like, pl- flashlight on me. They're like, you need to get out of the car. And you're like, you need to move along. And they made my, my buddy, who was black, lay down on the ground. And we were together, he, both passengers. I mean, it was insane. And this is in Eugene. And, I, you know, I'll post that story again at some point so that people can see it more in depth. We don't have a lot of time for me to get into that. But with this, I'm glad that the conversations are being had with this ballot measure, that we're actually going in a direction where we can end the war on drugs. You know, this is sometimes where libertarians and progressives actually have crossover because people think progressives and they think that they want to just nanny state everything. And that's actually not how it is. It's protecting freedoms. That's literally what it's about. It's about simplifying and making a more efficient union. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what Chris has to say about this because I think that he's on the other. Yeah, I mean, just look at, you know. You probably got this in the mail. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. But, you know, this is Democrats. (laughs) This is Basic Rights Oregon, Planned Parenthood, Apano, um, SEIU, uh, Unite Oregon, NAACP, Latino. I mean, everybody says yes, 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 yes. This isn't a hard question. Um, You know, on 110 in particular, the groups behind it include the ACLU, Coalition of Communities of Color in Portland, um, Basic Rights Oregon, Bernie PDX, uh, Confederated Tribes of the Grand Ronde. You know, this is a this is a coalition of Black Indigenous people of color that's behind this, and that's why I'm behind it. Well, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So we do need to move on. Uh, and again, next week we'll be covering. Chris and I will cover a lot of the ballot measures and different things that are on. I already did an episode about the fire levy in Springfield. You can go back and listen to that. That's really important. I don't know how anybody in their right mind wouldn't support the fire department right now. I mean, that's just insanity. So, and that was really Also, cool. yes, for the libraries, please. Yeah, so Eugene, that's the big thing on the ballots in Eugene. We'll talk about it next week, but yes, for the... So basically, it's yes on all of the ballot measures. <laughs> yeah. 
And because sometimes those are written confusing. Absolutely. On now, purpose. <laughs> I know, right. I know that with star voting, that was a big thing that it, it really squashed it because they didn't have, they promoted it as star voting. And then the ballots said, not the acronym, they said the written out, you know, thing. And people were like, I don't understand what this is. And it, it was, it was by design. So that was really frustrating. But anyway, so Springfield. Back to the importance of the secretary of state. Yeah, right. Yeah. Good city council. And also, you know. Let's touch on that, actually. Before we move on to city council, Secretary of State, what you just said, they they can have a lot of sway on the wording, on the way that stuff is written on your ballot. Mm -hmm. And it can really confuse people by design because they bet a lot of times uh, the conservative party preys on the fact that people shouldn't. This is what a republic is in republic you know there's Dem democrats and republicans a republic is where you appoint leaders that make the decisions for you because they want you to think that they're smarter than you that's not a democracy that's a republic and now we have this duality in this country where we have a republic democracy but and that's such a dumbed down version but they just they bet on the facts that people aren't going to understand what they're actually doing behind the curtain and that's not the way that we need to do things so Secretary, let's move on because we don't have a lot of time. So Springfield City Council, this is really difficult. Uh, you know, we have Corey Rodley, Johannes Tadeo. I've had them both on as guests. Uh, Mark Molina, who I've built a very strong relationship with, has had them both on as guests. I think he even did a forum. I think he's had them multiple times. Mm -hmm. If you're not familiar with Mark Molina and you're listening to this, look him up on Facebook. He's been a guest on my show twice. A great person doing real good coverage about Lane County politics. Johannes and Corey, Johannes Tadeo and Corey Rodley are both great candidates. This is a really tough decision for me. Now you can speak on your endorsement and then I'll, I'll talk about it a little more. You know, this is a personal one for me. Johannes supported my campaign. Um, he is an outspoken community organizer in Springfield who really led the charge to sever the contract between city of Springfield and um, ICE when it comes to law enforcement. You know, he is tireless. Um, he can come across as, uh, you know, having his energy spread very thin because especially during the pandemic, um, he's been working two jobs. He's been working for Safer, on community organizing. He's now working also with the unhoused community um, in the wake of the fire. And the guy is just tireless. Uh, and I admire that. Um, and so I, I su I'm supporting Johannes. It's, it's, I don't really have a dog in the fight. I live over in Eugene. Sure. Um, but for what it's worth, uh, for people who supported me in the primary, I really urge you to support Johannes. He has a really strong um, grounding in racial justice and in the Latinx community. Um, you know, I was there at the launch of his campaign. I would say it was um, maybe 15 or 20% white, 80% um, Latinx. Um, that's not something you see every day no. uh, in politics here in Eugene Springfield. No. That's something special. No. And, um, you know, I'm here for it. No. And so I think that sometimes when people make the comment about checking a box, like they're like, I'm not going to support this guy just to check a box or this person, you know, 
I think that it's short-sighted to look at it that way. What a person like Johannes or Johannes Tadeo brings to the table is he brings a different perspective of the Latinx community, which I've grown up in Springfield. I've lived here since I was 11, you know, so this is my hometown and there is a huge Latinx community that is a huge part of Springfield mm-hmm. and, and growing and growing constantly. And they need to have representation. Now, I don't want this to, this is kind of unfair when it comes to, it's not what someone is that's important. It's what they do about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So having him on my show and getting to hear what he has to say about the work that he's done behind the scenes, and then just some perspective with uh, maybe issues of having public, uh, you know, political public information done in Spanish, why there's a benefit to that, why it's necessary, you know, why getting people to the table uh, from this community that have been ignored is super vital, you know, and it's people of color, just like any other group, uh, Latinx people are not binary in a way that they only have one view. It's not, it's not like all of them are just going to vote Democrat. That's not true at all. People are going to make their own decisions, but we don't, again, like my Republic versus democracy or issue, we want people at the table. We want people to use their voices. We want a strong democracy where everybody's heard from, you know? And so Johannes brings something really good to the table in that way that he has a huge following of Latinx. He has a base, you know, he's got a strong base. He has built a base in the community and the fact that he made it through uh, the primary um, is a testament to that. Um, he could win this thing. And that would be a bit of an earthquake for Springfield politics at a time when Springfield is on the map, not just locally, but nationally for the policing response to racial justice protests. Um, He's the right leader for this moment. Um, Springfield needs to challenge its white supremacist power structure. And Johannes is the one to bring that challenge. Right. You know, and I think it would not be fair to Corey if I didn't talk about some of her strong, you know, suits and and the strengths that Corey Rodley brings to the table as well. Corey is extremely approachable. I had her on my podcast and her and I are building a good relationship behind the scenes as well. And so for me personally to know that if Corey were to win this election, I think that she probably is the front runner at this point, that if she were to win this election, that I personally could reach out to her and she would be. I mean, I on a drop of a dime, I can message her and she would respond to me. And she's a great human being, massive heart, a huge resume. You know, she's done a ton of stuff with the United Way, a ton of advocacy work. She has a great, great, great track record, you know, and she's a really sweet individual and she's approachable. I don't I don't think you can go wrong with this and living in Springfield. I'm going to have a hard time. I haven't made an endorsement in this because I don't know if I want to break one of their hearts because I really want to build a longer relationship with both of them Mm -hmm. in different ways. Well, here's the deal. You know, the deck is shuffling in Springfield and this is one race, but um, you know, and this is broadly speaking as well, when we look at my race and we look at politics in general, there's a generational um, shift that will be happening over the next few years. And there's a lot of opportunity for new leaders to step up and, you know, I think we'll see both of these candidates, likewise in the South uh, Eugene County Commissioner race, like both are, are pretty solid. Um, and they're both going to have a role in leading our community. Um, but the ballots are coming. <laughs> you got to tick up, you got to choose one. Um, 
but I think, you know, we haven't seen the last of, of any of these candidates for sure. No. And that includes yourself, you know, and, uh, I don't know, episode 205 or whatever, the Spent the Rent podcast, you can announce your run for Senate or whatever you want to do. So I'm, I'm, a, we, you have an open door here. Hopefully at some point we can do it again in person, you know, cause I really like, it was cool to have you come to the house. I think that the quality of the, of the interviews, uh, technically or whatever with the microphones and whatnot sounds better when we do it in person, but these zoom calls are really cool because it allows access to have stuff on the fly. I mean, we'd, like we said before we planned this episode, like 25 minutes ago. So, uh, this is really good. I'm really honored to have you again. This is the third time you've been a guest on my show. So let's go over some really, really key bullet points that we want to drill home. Uh, you're here endorsing Peter DeFazio. That's big. That's your race. So everybody, this is not a time to make a protest vote. This is a time to stand with the Democratic Party. We need to go blue all the way because crush. Yeah, them. because I think that we're seeing, you know, like I had mentioned before, I'll take personal responsibility for my sliver of 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 it is that what's happening for women right now in the Supreme Court and what's at jeopardy. It's is jeopardized, you know, women's right to choose. We're seeing that because people made protest votes. Unfortunately, you're like, oh, I'm not going to get my way. Fine. And then what do you get instead? The other extreme? That's not the way that we want things done. I don't know what can be done about the Supreme Court situation. I don't know. if You know, it's really um, Senator Wyden, Senator Merkley have both been really vocal, um, but they're not on the Judiciary Committee. Right. And so, you know, this goes back to everything that we've been talking about, you know, Diane Feinstein was given, you know, seniority on the judiciary committee. She ran the hearing. She just like gave Lindsey Graham a hug. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? This, this is, but this is where progressives, I don't, this is where progressives are like, no, no, like fool me once, you know, kind of thing, because this is where it's difficult, where I know that you're pleading to your 18,000 followers to, to do what you're asking to support Joe Biden and Peter DeFazio. But this is why it's difficult for people. And I don't think it's fair. You know, like I said before, it's like, I've made every freaking concession and you're going to tell me that I'm being unreasonable. Like this is insanity. All I, I want freaking healthcare and fresh air. Come on now. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm not asking, I'm not asking for too much, you know, I'm with you. I'm with you all healthcare, the way. And fresh air and for our brothers and sisters of color, actually, with police brutality, I personally think that we will, will, will make more of an impact with a broader swath of American citizens if we focus on police brutality, period. Mm -hmm. The racial injustices are there, and I'm not downplaying that at all. What I'm saying is police brutality is an issue across the board. You know, and I think for some people, they don't want they, – they refuse to see – it based as a color issue. I'm not saying that we need to like cater to white supremacists. That's not my point. It's just that you're going to get more bees with honey when you actually work together and you, and you view things like it's not just me that's being wronged. It's you, it's us. It's all of us being wronged. That's a whole different issue. But before we wrap up, if that's where you're going, I want to talk about the mayor's race in Portland. Sure. Yeah, I did mention that. <laughs> I, I wrote down just a name that I can't pronounce. Uh, Sarah Ayana Roney. <laughs> in I on our own. Um, like I have a new, yeah. And, you know, Sarah, there were a lot of insurgent progressive challenges across the state of Oregon in the primary cycle, uh, mine being one. And very, you know, very few of them 
like made it through. Sarah did. And it was a big field. Um, and the fact that she cracked, you know, Ted Wheeler's advantage and made it into the general election is huge. So Ted, and we, then, real quick. So, the, so it's done on a, um, the voting top, top two finishers, um, similar to like how Eugene, um, like Eugene, yeah, it's similar to the, uh, South Lane County race or, um, Johannes and Corey's race, you know, it's nonpartisan, um, seat. And, uh, if somebody gets 50% or more, they, there is no November election. Right. Um, they just what's happening with Eugene Mayer, and we yeah. actually will be yeah. later today. I'm going to be interviewing Isaiah Wagner, who's a writing candidate for Eugene Mayer, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But for, for the Portland Mayor situation, yeah, I mean, this is a big thing. This yeah. is a big thing, especially given uh, there's so many exciting things about Sarah that I would love to to talk about, and I know that our audience, you know, is mostly um, down here in Southwest Oregon and not in Portland, but. Portland politics affect us here. Like, absolutely. You know, the, the political agenda is set in Portland. And that's part of the problem that we're trying to fix. But um, with Sarah in leadership, you know, I think it will have an influence over the state and over the party in a way that uh, could be awesome. You know, Sarah's priorities on climate are super strong. Um, that's why she has my endorsement. Um, I, you know, backed her up in getting the support of some national climate leaders and figures um, because she's really leading on climate in the way that we need and taking a stand against the fossil fuel industry uh, at a time when that is essential to our survival, frankly. And Sarah is facing off against Mayor Ted Wheeler, who has been, his police department has been beating and gassing protesters for over a hundred days. And, you know, Sarah wants to actually do some of the things that the protesters are asking for in terms of police reform. Um, and Ted would rather um, just beat people into submission or, or something. Um, and so, you know, I think Ted Wheeler is vulnerable. The polling on this race is tight. OPV put out a poll on Friday that showed that, you know, it really could go either way. And I think, you know, progressives need to get behind Sarah. Um, we need to beat Ted and show that, you know, there's a new future for Oregon politics and it is truly progressive. What do you feel like? Do you like the the system set up where you can have two candidates from the same party in a general election. I mean, obviously as a Democrat, probably, but like for take away your political views, just do you think that it is effective to have people that are kind of both on one side of the, you know, my, my concern on a national level, when I think about these, these elections, where if you win, if you don't get 51%, there's a runoff and then you can have two candidates from the same party in the general election I, I worry about states where there is a stronghold that they'll never actually have representation from the other side. So, I mean, we want to cry foul when it's against, if it's two Republicans, right? I mean, that would be bad. So what do you think about that when they have these races where there's two Democrats running in a general election or, or vice versa, two candidates from the same party? Well, um, it's a good question. Like, these races like Sarah versus Ted, Hoel versus Lori, you know, these are nonpartisan seats. So okay. it's not um, the same kind of election. 
Okay. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. officially nonpartisan. Sure. They sure. happen to all be Democrats because these are Democratic communities. Right. right. Um, but if they weren't, then they would be Republicans. Right. So, you know, if you look at like a county commissioner's race in Douglas County, like Scarlatos ran last cycle and lost, by the way, um, you know, you've got two Republicans in, in the runoff. So I think uh, that, that answers the question well, yeah. because it is supposed to be nonpartisan. Right. And so, I mean, we can see a good example of that in the Springfield City Council race where we had three candidates in the primary. We had Chris McAllister, Johannes Tadeo, and Corey Rodley. Chris McAllister was running as a non-affiliated voter, which I thought was awesome. And, you know, because he's like, I don't I have issues with both parties and I have things that I like from both parties when he was not one of the two top people in the runoff because then no one got 51 percent he then became johannes's co-campaign manager mm -hmm. so to see something like that is really cool where you have somebody that is a not establishment party person that becomes a co-campaign manager for one of the candidates i think that's really a good example of where it can work well but and also collaboration by the victor um you know like we saw with with joe and bernie um, and Joe and everyone, actually, you know, Kamala, Elizabeth, Yang, everyone, um, but especially Bernie. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of politics that we need to do to to really unify and and make the change that we need. It's funny when you watch like Elizabeth Warren, I think she's genuine, but she's like, now we're just behind Joe. And I'm like, I know you hate it. It sucks. It sucks. I mean, because she was my one a one b with bernie it was elizabeth warren and i don't know i mean as time goes by there's there's people like uh, amy klobuchar who i actually have really grown to really like a lot and i i mean in i I'm, mean she so showed up on the senate judiciary committee yeah um questioning amy coney barrett um in the way that i wanted to see so you know i was glad to see that um yeah. So I actually, Susan Rice was actually my pick for VPs who I wanted Joe Biden to choose, but Kamala Harris is actually, she's got her strengths. I think it was a bold move. And I think that it was a move that was needed. I think Tim Kaine was such a milquetoast choice for Hillary Clinton. Just that, didn't really bring anything to the table. No. Um, and so, and I mean, it was just a tone deaf campaign. And I think Biden has, has actually run a really good campaign. I mean, Obama ran one of the best campaigns in American history twice, <laughs> twice. <you laughs> Absolutely. Know, and, and I mean, the fact that he was reelected with the amount of hate and division that he was facing, not creating, was facing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because Obama saying that that, you know, Trayvon Martin could look like he could be his kid. That's not a divisive comment. That's a fact, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. Anyways, so the people that ran Obama's campaigns, I'm sure Joe Biden has some, you know, some access to David Axelrod and David Pluff. And I don't know if that's how you say it, but mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. those people are geniuses, you know, the way that they run things, not to mention the fact that Obama was just a really good candidate. I mean, he's not without his flaws, but Donald Trump doesn't even have a dog. Like how the hell can you support a candidate that doesn't have a dog? Like I just I had a dog. <laughs> right. right. That's my, that's my big personal news. Over the summer, I got a dog and, uh, you know, he's awesome. Um, I want to see that in your, Max. <laughs> in, in your campaign for Senate. It's literally three seconds long. I'm just kidding. But like, you could be like, I got a dog. And then, okay, Nick, and I support this message. 
I was going to make a campaign ad for Joe Biden that just says, look, I'm freaking tired. Like, have you watched the news? It's a train wreck. I'm voting for Biden. Yeah. And I mean, that's the kind of the larger takeaway. Like it is a train wreck. Yeah. It is an unprecedented, unmitigated disaster on pretty much every level possible. And what we were facing in the spring, you know, when the election happened in Oregon, uh, it was literally the law to not leave your house. Like (laughs) that's how, that's how effed up things were. Right. And um, so, you know, it was not the moment for insurgent candidates, you know, not for me, not for Bernie, um, not even for Mark Gamba um, up in, in Salem area. I think it's, uh, you know, we thought as progressives two years ago when we saw the results of 2018, you know, the women's wave, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ayanna Presley, Katie Porter, like these incredible progressive women um, prevailing on this kind of anti-Trump. Well, and that's not tsunami. A, that movement's not. And a, then it's it's not over. But like we thought, like we're just gonna charge that right into 2020. This is gonna be our time. Um, and that calculus proved not to be correct. Um, I, and that's a hard that's a hard pill to swallow. But that's just the reality. Like people in the Democratic Party. Um, wanted someone they knew, they already knew, they trusted that was promising stability and normalcy. And that was Joe Biden. Katie Katie Porter is incredible, by the way. (laughs) She's one of my, you know, personal (laughs) idols, for sure. (laughs) And again, she might be on the shortlist for Senate too. And oh my God. For sure. I mean, that position, Kamala Harris's Senate position is going to be a big name. Ro Khanna and Katie Porter are two of the most just amazing young candidates. Katie Porter's just awesome. No, but I think that that movement, I mean, I don't know, because Trump did go on in a rally and said, you know, suburban women, please like me. So that's pretty effective. It was nauseating. I don't know how anybody can see that. He's like, please like me. I mean, that's like the equivalent. I mean, it's desperate. I mean, the guy, his campaign has completely collapsed. He no. is absolutely on the campaign trail. He did the equivalent to sliding into someone's DM and saying, sup, <laughs> you know, that's literally what it was. He's like, what's up? Are you up? You know what I mean? So even though Benjamin Dixon says that every time he posts you up, no, yeah. but so let's <laughs> put him away here yeah. in the fourth district of Oregon. It's got to happen. We got to crush him. Right. Um, we got to see the biggest margin for Joe Biden that we've had, you know, for a Democrat in a generation, let's make it happen. Um, You know, I know that my supporters and progressives at large are not psyched about Joe Biden or frankly, the incumbent congressman in some cases, you know, they made a different choice in the primary, but now we got to get behind them. And it's not just about this election. It's about the future. And it's about, showing um, the people who call the shots that this is a district where we could have a Katie Porter, you know, where we could have a bold progressive uh, champion uh, in, in the, in the coming uh, decade. Well, and if we want to change the future, we need to vote in the primaries. Mm -hmm. No, that's a big thing. Young people need to come up and vote. (laughs) 
this isn't calling out your supporters because I'm sure that they they voted because of you. You know, they you did your job to bring people to the table. One of the things that down ticket candidates do is that is that they bring. I mean, this is what's happening right now. You are coalition building by making sure that people vote down ticket all the way down the ballot blue, you know, because, you know, and. I think it says a lot about your character that you're out doing this for DeFazio because I know that that's got to be really hard. I'm sure that at the end of a race, it's you want to curl up in a ball and you put all your emotion into it, you know, and it's got to be really difficult. But I don't know. I got a dog. <laughs> I got a dog. I got a dog. <laughs> he's, he, he's my buddy. Um, and, you know, I nobody asked me to do this. Um, none of these candidates asked the for my endorsement. But... Um, they, yeah, they definitely campaigned hard for the dog. Um, and they have learned some campaigning skills from their mom. Um, but in terms of these endorsements, you know, I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do. I'm doing it because, you know, my supporters in the primary could, could make a difference in these races and we should, yeah. um, because that gives us power. It gives right. us power to set the priorities. It gives us power to hold the people in elected office accountable. And it gives us power to build for the future and, you know, build the, the base that we need um, to really shape things in the coming years. Right. Well, this is a longer episode. We've passed the hour and we had so much to cover. Uh, I appreciate you so much for doing this. Again, if you need to find a Dropbox location, you can Google it, Dr Lane County Dropbox locations. Uh, but Lane County Elections Office, there's one. Walmart on West 11th. Splash at the Lively Swim Center in Thurston. At the UO Herb Memorial Union. Uh, Amazon Pool. The EMU. AKA yeah, the, the EMU. EMU. The EMU, yeah. That's what everyone knows it as. Uh, if you do need to mail it, if you live rural, make sure you do it before the 27th. You know. Yeah, or if you're going to town, you know. Sure, drop it off. Do the Dropbox oh, thing. Again, no, no postage is, is required. I think that's really important for people to remember because they're heavier. So people will put 73 stamps on it and that's un, it's not necessary. We have already, you know, they took care of that before. Oregon has made it so easy. I'm really honored and inspired by people or honor. I don't know. I'm inspired by the people in places like Texas and Georgia and Florida that are turning out in record numbers mm -hmm. voting blue. I mean, I think that this mm -hmm. election is going to be a landslide on across the board. I think there's... I think we're going to take back the Senate. Um, I wish Mitch McConnell would go away forever because he's just the worst. He might be worse than Trump in some ways because he actually knows how to get stuff done. And that's really dangerous. So indeed. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, if we can flip the Senate, which now, you know, the Senate campaigns are moving into South Carolina, very competitive against yeah. Lindsey Graham. That one I'm really excited about. Jamie, Jamie, um, <laughs> Jamie Newman, Jamie Kennedy. Jamie Newman. Is that, well, no, no, no. What, Harrison. 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 Mm -hmm. ah, I was going through everyone I knew. Great Kennedy. And just shout out to Jeff Merkley again. Like it was Merkley who really got behind Harrison early yeah. when people said South Carolina, like that's, you know, sure. that's a dream. Um, Harrison but is now like it's this close. He's the and, kind of candidate. He reminds me of Biden in that way that he's a kind I mean, they're totally different, but I'm just saying that he is a kind person. You know, he uses empathy to reach his constituents. He looks people in the eyes and you can see it's genuine. He's super kind. You know, I really liked, uh, gosh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but the dude that lost for the governor of Florida, 
you know, that, mm-hmm. that he was great too. And then the guy that they've chosen, I mean, we need to get people back in that are actually, that actually like people, you know, these are supposed to represent the people, these candidates. So, uh, you know, I think we do need to get out of here. Thank you so much, Doyle Canning. This is really cool. You're always welcome on the show anytime uh, with 12 hour notice, whatever we need. I chose a song, uh, a local singer, Sarah Schofield and her group Wapner County. Uh, she's just got a beautiful voice. And whenever I have you on the show, I always like to spotlight a local female artist. So oh, thanks. So uh, this is going to be Sarah Schofield's band Wapner County. This is the song. Why did you go away? Doyle Canning, thank you very much. Thank you. Great to be here.